The following audio is from the Grove Church Snohomish campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. It's always an honor, uh, I think, uh, I've been reminded this time and time again, to stand here and be able to um, do what God has called me to do, not something I've always thought I wanted to do. I was a shy kid in classes doing speeches um, where I turned red. Uh, I actually was, I turned red this morning because a comment, one of the lead uh, host team members made at uh, Marysville, the Marysville campus. Um, I blushed a little bit because she's just a spitfire, but... um, but it's always an honor. This is not something I ever dreamed of doing. Uh, if you would have known me my freshman year of high school, I was the individual that was quiet. Uh, I think I said two words the entire first day of, of my sophomore year of high school. Uh, and when God got a hold of my life, uh, it started changing. And I remember speaking my first message um, when I was 17 years old, 2001. I actually have it framed in my office. I went 45 minutes in front of my peers in a youth service. Um, because God just put a word in my heart, and I've been preaching ever since. Um, I never thought I'd be doing this, but here I am, lo and behold, doing uh, and speaking uh, on a regular basis. So it's, I, I, I say that as, as, as humbly as I can, like it truly is an honor uh, to be a part of Grove Snohomish this week. Uh, almost a year to the day uh, is when the first time I spoke, this time last year, uh, actually on my wife's birthday, was the first time I was able to be on this stage. So um, it is an honor. And so uh, I don't want to say, I, I agree with Andrew. I don't want us to miss these moments. Uh, it's so easy to, in the rhythm and the routine, uh, to take advantage of what really God's doing and what God wants to say to us. And so we're continuing in a, a series that we launched for Christmas uh, called Home for Christmas. Uh, last week, I thought it was really um, dramatic effect. Um, I, I really loved this idea last week of anticipation. Um, and that a, uh, a Christmas home anticipates Christ. Uh, and I don't know if you were here last week. If you were, welcome back. I'm glad you're back. If you weren't here last week, please go back and listen to it. Uh, I spent some time last night before I went to bed just re-listening to it because I wanted first off to be on point to reference it, but uh, secondly, to be reminded uh, of the value of anticipating Christ. And I was pretty challenged through that message last week. Uh, there were a couple things that I thought Andrew said that are worth repeating. Um, and obviously the one thought that he hit on that message was a Christmas home anticipates Christ. Uh, and he talked about the, the tension, uh, the intentionality that we should have in anticipating Christ this year. Um, but he, he said this statement uh, that we know he came, but we can have a heart, uh, we can have a heart expecting that he came or celebrating that he came, but that he's coming again. You and I as Christians don't just dwell on the fact that he was born 2,000 years ago. We also get to anticipate the return of a coming king uh, and when he returns. And so that's the beauty that I love. And so I think that was a really great perspective. Um, and then he said this. He, quote, he, made a, he read a quote by John Piper, who was a pastor. Um, and he, there was a part of the quote that really kind of struck me and kind of hurt me a little bit. Um, but it says this in, in a good way. hurt me in a good way. It said, if you are excited about Christ, your children will too. If you were only excited about the material things, how will your children be excited about Christ? Um, and I, I just feel the conviction of that because it's so easy to get caught up. I can't wait to give my kids their presents that I forget to really enjoy the presence of Jesus as we decorate a tree. Um, and, and I'll be honest with you, one of the things that I, I love that we started a couple years ago, I believe it was two years ago, was this idea of a kneeling Santa. Um, I'm totally going off side notes for a second. Um, but there's a story about a kneeling Santa and if you've read the story, you know what I'm referring to, but if you haven't, then you're going to know about it. Uh, but it's a story of Santa running around, doing his Christmas Eve stuff, and it says the last stop he makes before he heads back to the North Pole is he goes to a church, 
and kneels before a nativity scene and offers a present to the baby Jesus. In essence, a sign of reverence and respect to remember really what the season's about. Uh, and in this story, um, my wife and I, we ended up buying the book and we bought a, um, a kneeling Santa ornament. And one of the things that we do the very last thing on Christmas Eve before they go to bed, um, because I'm up like an elf putting Christmas presents under the tree, right? Um, is we take that ornament and my kids then will put that on our Christmas tree um, as a, in a time of prayer just to remember. It's not about the presents, but the presents represent what the greatest gift of all, and that's Jesus, his, his life, his death, and the resurrection you and I get to celebrate this year. So um, all that to say, this series I think is really intentional, and I hope that it challenges you, and I hope that it creates the right tension. Uh, and today as we talk about the idea of restlessness, um, I know that there's so many different situations and circumstances that many of us in this room are wrestling through. Uh, but I really do believe simply this, and I want to take some time at the end of our, our, our time together um, kind of a bad sentence, but um, I want to take some time together and just allow the Holy Spirit to show up in the midst of our restlessness. See, I don't know your stories. I don't know your circumstances. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing. But what I do know is that we serve a God who knows us better than we know ourselves and wants to meet us in the midst of our restlessness. And so today I want to create time to do that. Um, and so we're going to talk about this idea of, of how the Holy Spirit and how Jesus shows up, uh, the one thought that we always try and center messages around throughout all campuses is just simply this, Christ with us means, oh wait, Christ, oh now I lost it. Jasmine, will you throw that up there for me? I'm so lame. It's later in my notes, but I just figure I hit it now. It's just that one thing, the one, the one sentence that you didn't want to say one thing because that was my thing. There we go. Christ with us, sorry, creates peace around us. This is the heart today. This is what we're going to hit on. This is what we're going to focus on. And so I want to pray. I'm going to read some scripture, uh, and then I'll share some thoughts and hopefully land the plane at a decent time so we can spend time with Jesus. So will you pray with me today? Lord, today, you know every situation. God, you know every context, every circumstance. You know the high things and the low things. You know where we come into this holiday season tired and weary. And I'm thankful today that in Matthew, you remind us that we can come to you when we're tired and weary. God, you know the things in this Christmas season that we are excited about, anticipating with our families and friends. Uh, so Lord, I pray that you would bring greater joy and a rest that allows us to truly uh, embrace that part of this season. Uh, but God, I pray for this moment today. Lord, you know what we need to hear. We know that this message was not by, by chance or by whim. But God, you've strategically designed and placed this message for us today, not just as a church family, but God, also us as your sons and daughters. So Lord, we thank you for gathering us. We thank you for bringing us here safely. We pray you would bring us home safely and that we would be able to enjoy your presence continually as the days continue to grow towards Christmas. We love you today and we thank you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm gonna read a very familiar passage to many of us in Matthew chapter one, verses 18 to 25. It is the Christmas season, so it wouldn't be the Christmas season without talking about the birth of Jesus. So it says this in Matthew chapter 1. If you've got a Bible, feel free to turn there and read along with me. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, it should be on the screen behind me, or I'll let you borrow mine because I'm that generous. Um, just kidding. Uh, I'm sarcastic too, so just so you know. Um, and I have a cold, so it's kind of a weird mix today, but uh, this is what it says, words of Matthew. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. 
Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. This is a prophet Isaiah that's being quoted. It says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. So they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him to, and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until after she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. So we see this story, many of us are like, oh, I'm having flashbacks to Christmas over the course of my years. I remember with my father-in-law, uh, and even with my parents, we would at times stop and read the Christmas story before we got to open presents. Anybody ever do that? That is the worst thing in the world, right? As a kid, you're waking up, it's Christmas morning, you're super thrilled because all you want to do is go tear to shreds the wrapping paper under the tree, and your mom and dad are like, just wait, children, it's about Jesus. I'm like, can we just read the Kneeling Santa the night before? Uh, but I remember as a kid reading through the story, and I wouldn't pay attention, just like some of you checked out when I started reading, because you're like, oh, I've heard that story before. I, I've been there, done that, seen it, tried it. Uh, but the truth of the matter is this. There's some significant realities that Scripture is reminding us of the situation where Jesus is conceived. Not even when he's born. We haven't even talked about his birth yet. We just talked about the fact that Mary and Joseph, they were ready to go. Joseph got down on one knee, he proposed, he had like all the candles and the rose petals and all those things that we all like to do. Like Mary and Joseph were ready to go. And then it says all of a sudden that God changed plans. Have you ever had God show up in the middle of your plans and just ruin them? Like that's our perception, right? Some of us like in our maturity as we've grown and understand Christ and the way he works, we understand like it's not really ruining them. It's actually better than what we could have expected or hoped, right? But it's so easy to forget but I remember, I mean, that's my life. That's my story. My story, I remember growing up in church. I remember being a part of a program called Royal Rangers. I remember being heavily involved. I remember never going to a youth group because my, my friends and I joked in Royal Rangers that was like a cult. We didn't understand it. Like God was doing some incredible things in that youth ministry. Uh, my older sister was a part of it. And God was just like changing students' lives. And I was like, that's a cult. No, thank you. Let me go camp out and play with knives and play with fire and, and, and do backpacking and spelunking and all these different things. Like, let me go do the fun stuff that, that boys should do. Never want to be a part of a youth group. Then in 2000, uh, October of 2000, I remember going to a conference in Portland, and I just had this moment where the Holy Spirit grabbed a hold of my life, and it, he started leaning my heart towards youth ministry. Ruined my plans. I never thought I would lead a cult in my life, and I totally have jumped into youth ministry for about 10 years of my life I was leading youth ministry. But God ruined my, my plans. He changed the course of my life. That's my wife's story. My wife, when she was going to Northwest her freshman year, she opted to try and go to a different school, got accepted, a much more prestigious school. She's the smart one if she were here. Uh, I would say all these things to her face, um, but she is the smart one. She is vastly better looking than me. Um, and and I would marry her again in a heartbeat every chance I get. But my wife was ready to go to a different school. And God told her no. So she stayed at Northwest. 
And if she, and she graduated Northwest with a political science and history major, she would have never met me, which, psh, her loss. Um, we would never have the two amazing kids and one on the way. We, w- we would never be able to be the family we are. I'd never be as challenged and inspired and annoyed at her love for Jesus like I am. But God changed her plans. She never was interested in ministry. She loved ministry. She believed in the church ministry. She was raised in a great church, but she never thought about being in ministry. I remember the day before I moved to Spokane to be a youth pastor over there by myself, which was really bad. I didn't like it, uh, but I enjoyed it too because it was like I was a bachelor doing whatever I wanted to do. It was weird. But being married in ministry is far better than being a bachelor in ministry. But I remember the night before we left, there was this tension I felt like, if my wife's not called to ministry, I can't rob her of the future God has for her. And there was a moment in service where she leaned over to me afterwards and said, I genuinely, for the first time, feel called to ministry. I was like, thank you, God, I get to stay with her. We got married about a year and a half later. But if she didn't stay the course that God had placed in her life to stay, then she would have missed out on everything God had for her up to this point. It's not to say that God wouldn't redeem her story, because I believe God is the redeemer of stories. But I'm saying God shows up and ruins plans. Our first daughter, we are our first, our first, I don't know if I have another daughter yet. We don't know what the gender of my baby is right now. And my wife and I are fighting about that. So you can pray for us. Our marriage is doing okay so far. She wants to wait till birth and I want to wait till two weeks ago. Um, but the crazy thing is with our daughter, we had talked about maybe having kids and she felt like the Holy Spirit just told us, hey, I'm trustworthy. Just trust me. You know, when the Holy Spirit says that, so that's not necessarily the most exciting news because you're going to totally take a veer, uh, to the, uh, you're going to go right where you thought you would go left. And three months after she was trusting the Holy Spirit, we found out we were pregnant. She would be okay if I shared this. She was mad. She was not happy. We waited until about 20 weeks to say anything to anybody because she was not happy and she had to come to grips with it. At one point, she prayed it was a dream, I think, uh, and she woke up the next day and realized it wasn't a dream. So we wouldn't trade it for the world. Our daughter, our six-year-old, six-and-a-half-year-old daughter, Abigail, is the most brilliant young lady I've ever met. She is the most challenging individual because she loves so deeply. And she's, I mean, she's true to her name, Father's Joy. She really is the joy of my life. And my son, Gideon, who's just a punk, I'm afraid to have another boy. <laughs> Not because I couldn't handle it, because he is a punk. And if he were here, I'd tell him that too. I don't call him a punk because there's, anyways. But he's the, he's, the, he's the most adventurous, risk-taking individual. He'd be standing right here on the edge just like, Dad, what's that? That's where you get hurt, kid. <laughs> but if we didn't trust God, we would not experience the fullness of the life he's promised us. The same is for Joseph and Mary. Everything was teed up. Everything was planned out. They were engaged. They were going to get married and live happily ever after. And then it says, but God showed up. What did he do? Hey, Mary, you're going to have my son. It's interesting because every time I've read this as a student, I was like, it's kind of a weird thing to think about that the Holy Spirit gave Mary a baby. But I remember reading years ago that much like in the Old Testament where the cloud would descend upon the temple, That's the correlation in the picture that actually happened with Mary, that the Holy Spirit descended, surrounded her, and because God is the creator of our bodies, he gave her a baby. It's going to be his son. And Joseph, who was an honorable man, very high integrity, has this desire in this moment. It's like, biblically, it's my right to divorce her. 
The only, like, the biblical mandate we find out with Jesus is that when there's marital unfaithfulness, that's a biblical grounds for divorce. So Joseph, because his fiance was pregnant, could only mean one thing from his understanding is that she was unfaithful to me, which therefore means I can divorce her. But because he cared so deeply for Mary, you see his love shown in the fact that he wanted to divorce her quietly. He didn't want her to be disgraced. Because in that culture, in that time, first off, women were not viewed with high esteem. I'm thankful we live in a different culture. Because biblically, we see that women should be viewed in high esteem. But in that culture, that, a woman who was divorced, a woman who was cast aside, was humiliated, was disgraced, was no longer wanted, and was an outcast to the point where she was nothing, regarded as nothing. But Joseph, in his love and his integrity and his care, for this lady, this woman who he loved, wanted to do it quietly. When he made it up in his mind, the Bible says very clearly in Matthew that, that an angel showed up to him in a dream. He said, hey, Joseph, don't do it. Take her as your wife. Take her home. Because the child she has is my son. That's a little weird for me to think about. But for Joseph, I don't think it was weird at all. I think we lose the awe that exists in Scripture for you and I today. See, Joseph heard from the Holy Spirit, and it says that he woke up the next morning and did what he was told. See, when the Holy Spirit tells me to do something, you know what I do? All right, Lord, that sounds like a great idea. I'm going to write that in my little journal, uh, and then I'm going to pray about it. And then I'll let you know. You, oh, you want me to oh, you want me move from Spokane to Marysville? Okay. okay. We'll talk about it. What the problem is sometimes I put God's plans on hold because I need to make sure that they fit what I want or they fit my expectations. See, the interesting thing is, as Joseph and Mary, Joseph did not wait to respond. He just obeyed, which is a word that many of us don't like to hear anymore. I even feel weird like when my wife tells my son, you need to obey. I'm like, that's such a weird word. Now, I want him to obey. I want him to be obedient. I want him to honor his parents as the Bible tells us to. But Joseph and Mary didn't put a bunch of qualifiers to God's demand or expectation. They trusted them with their lives. They followed them wholeheartedly into every right and left turn that they took. It reminds me of a verse that comes up in Proverbs. It says this, that many are plans in a person's heart, but as the Lord's purpose that prevails. See, I think some of us need to hear this today because your life may not be going the way you had anticipated or hoped. Even some of you may have said yes to Jesus and it's not all unicorns and rainbows and fairies. It's hard, it's difficult, and it's not fun at times. Jesus tells us to expect that. But what he tells us is the life that he promises is far greater than the life we can experience elsewhere. See, some of us, we put qualifiers or caveats or asterisks by what we feel God says to us. Joseph and Mary show us differently. See, it's interesting because we talk about restlessness. We talk about peace. God is not going to give you peace when you're disobedient. God doesn't give you peace when you pause. God doesn't give you peace when you hesitate. God grants you peace as you walk out his will for your life every moment of every day. God doesn't give you peace 
because you heard from him. God gives you peace because you follow him. And this is not a message I'm preaching at you. This is a message I'm actually preaching through me because this is the work of the Holy Spirit where I'm convicted as I'm preparing this message. Like, God, I, I like it better when you do things according to my plan. But Joseph and Mary's response was phenomenal. In verses 20 to 23, it says, but after he considered this regarding divorcing Mary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. And all of this, and it continues on verse 23, it says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. Now, interesting, because this is a prophecy-fulfilling statement. The statement that is being regarded to is from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah, who hundreds of years prior to Jesus' birth or even conception, made a statement that the coming Messiah will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. This statement is powerful because it's reminding and revealing that the baby's identity in Mary's womb is the Messiah, is the Son of God. That his identity is not something to be curious about, but Mary and Joseph have both heard his identity is God's Son. Which for that culture, for Mary and Joseph, it was mind-blowing to realize that. It was, it was, it was overwhelming to realize that this is the Messiah, because in Jewish culture, they were anticipating the coming Christ. Because the coming Christ would bring in a new kingdom. The coming Christ would then no longer subject God's people to the rulers of different, of different kingdoms of Babylon, like we've read through the reading plan, if you're reading along with us, uh, like the Roman world. It, it wouldn't subject God's people to another ruler, but they would rule and be ruled by Jesus, the Messiah. So when this statement is made, it's literally saying this Jesus who's, who's you're your conceiving, this Jesus who's your baby is my son. It reveals the identity of Jesus from day one. And all throughout scripture, you see in the New Testament, different people are like, who is this guy? Mary knew. Joseph knew. At one point, his closest followers, as he becomes older, they realize he's the son of God. But Joseph and Mary knew from day one. And it's funny because as moms and dads, we have kind of some intuition about our kids. As I look at my little girl, as I look at my little boy, as I'm struggling to dream about this unknown child in my wife's womb, because I'm selfish and angry and I want to know what it is, I have some intuition. I'm like, man, God, I, I want my daughter to love to worship you. God, I want my son to be adventurous and risk everything for you. Now, I didn't think those things would play out the way they do where my daughter loves to sing and dance and twirl around like crazy. Every, I'm telling you, every, it's a song. I have an ongoing musical in my house. <laughs> this may be bad parenting, but at four years old, my daughter watched High School Musical, and even this morning before when I was leaving, she was, had High School Musical back on. She loves musicals. I think Lake Stevens High School did Hairspray, the, the musical, a few years back, and so I took my little girl to go watch it. She was just like, watching because of the songs and the dance. It was incredible. She doesn't comprehend everything that was being said, so that was okay. But my girl loves to sing. She loves to dance. She loves the joy music provides. She doesn't like sitting in movie theaters because she likes to get up and dance and sing while the movie's playing. So I took her to see Frozen 2. I actually saw the whole Ledger family and Andrew and Amanda and your whole family after I took my daughter to see it uh, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. And she'd lean over to me like, Dad, how much longer? My paper girl, this is like Frozen 2. Like, what do you mean how much longer? You're supposed to sit captivate on the edge of your seat about this movie. Because as she's getting restless, she wants to stand up and she wants to sing and mirror everything she's seeing Elsa do into the unknown. Like, she just wants to... 
She just, but she couldn't because she was in a movie theater. We went and saw it a couple days later with the whole family for Thanksgiving. And my daughter was sitting two seats over from me and she's literally sitting back and just singing the songs. And then my wife laughs at me with my mother-in-law next to her because I started singing the songs as well. That's a good dad card, okay? That's, that's what I get to do. But my, like, I would have never imagined in the intuition I have over my kids to see that what God has put in me to pray and dream about my children play out so far. If I didn't trust in God's provision and leading, I wouldn't have that. See, Joseph and Mary faced a very difficult circumstance and situation. But it's true today that many are plans in a person's heart, but it's God's will that prevails. Are you willing to yield to God's will in your life? Are you willing to yield even though it doesn't make sense, even though it's uncomfortable, even though it's frustrating, even though it's confusing, even though it, it means you have to give up something to follow him wholeheartedly? I led a trip to the Philippines a couple weeks ago, early, early November, about a month ago now, I guess. And the missionaries we went to support and serve and love and care for with this children's home they were a part of were in the business world before they sold everything. They were making money. They were well off. They were uh, well established. They were the, they're called the, their last names is the Capone, Jonathan, and Vanessa. They're five, four kids. And he literally told me, he's like, Aaron, if I would have stayed and worked at my workplace for one year, I could have funded my entire term. If you don't know what that means, every missionary through the Assemblies of God has to itinerate, which means they have to raise a cash budget and a monthly support budget before they're able to go onto the mission field. In order to do that, they travel to churches and they talk to different people and they just, they give people to give generously. He said, if I would have worked one year, I could have funded my three-year term by myself. But God told him no. So he did what God told him to do. And the impact that he's made into this children's home in the Philippines is remarkable. Where kids who were in this program were never reading. They, didn't, they couldn't read a single word. They're now all at, either at their age level reading expectation or above it. Where they're getting educated in a Christ-centered. Like, it's just incredible to realize that when we say yes to God no matter what, even though it doesn't play out the way we want it to, that it, what ends up happening is far greater than we could ever think or imagine. Joseph and Mary, same concept. Many are plans that a man makes, but his will that prevails. It says when he woke up, he made a decision. There's a verse in Isaiah 30, 21 that my wife has been quoting lately the last few days, probably a couple weeks. And this has really been my heart as I've just been turning back into studying the book of Acts on a regular basis just for me because like, Lord, I want to be dependent upon your Holy Spirit on a regular basis. But it says this in verse uh, 21 of chapter 30 in the book of Isaiah says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. There's some of us here today, you've heard that voice, and I believe God's telling you to walk in it. I don't know whether it's about a business opportunity, whether it's about a marriage situation, whether it's about a family or a friendship or a future calling or career, but I believe today that the Lord is saying, you know which way to go, now walk in it because I've spoken it to you. And as I've prayed about this, my heart is literally like, God, I want to hear you speak to me. I want to know whether to turn right or left. And I want to walk in confidence. I believe today, in just a, in just a few moments, that there's some of us that we have a lot of, or a lot of restlessness going on in our lives. There's a lot of things that, I mean, I, I was reading uh, some different titles and blog posts about we're one of the most anxious, overly stressed communities that has ever been around. Generations cultures, 
that stress is at an all-time high, that anxiousness is at an all-time high. Why? And it's not any different in the, in the Christian world. It's not any different within the church. And, and in my mind, it, it, it blows me away to think like, we have the Prince of Peace. As I'm reading the book of Acts, it's, it's they, have, they have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. God in spirit form is inside of you and I. We have been given the Holy Spirit. Second Timothy, we've not been given a spirit of fear or timidity, but of peace, love, and a sound mind. So why are we anxious? Why are we overwhelmed? Why are we so stressed? Why are we restless? And I think sometimes it just simply comes down to we're focusing on what's in front of us versus what's above us. We're focusing on, on the simple fact that there's so much going on in our lives, that my marriage is falling apart, that my, my relationship with my boyfriend or girlfriend is struggling. They're asking for things that I don't want to give them. That our jobs are high stress because there's demand and success and provision. That we feel the pressure as men to provide for our families spiritually, relationally, emotionally, financially. Where do I get to provide for myself? You don't get to. The Holy Spirit gets to. And the Holy Spirit is the actual provider. The Holy Spirit is the actual encourager. The Holy Spirit is the actual supporter. But we've relied too much on ourselves and our own ability that we've lost the simple truth that Jesus doesn't show up to save you. He shows up to bring peace and empower you. See, honest confession, I've done a really good job doing ministry out of my own abilities. As a pastor, I've been a pastor for just over 10 years. I've been involved in ministry for more than half my life. I started when I was 15. I'm 35, I'll be 36 in just a couple weeks. I'm really young and good looking, I know. My wife lucked out. But I've done ministry the majority of my life on my own abilities. And my conviction today that I would challenge you, that I would share with you, that I would encourage you and implore you to stop relying on you. Be dependent on the Holy Spirit. In order for the church to be what it is today, the disciples couldn't do it. I'm only like four chapters in this book of Acts and I'm ripped to shreds as I've studied and, and, and reading it for, for what I believe God is leading me in. But I'm blown away by their dependency to rely on the Holy Spirit, to do things that they couldn't do. When Peter and John walk to the temple to pray and they see this lame man, Peter's response was like, hey, I've got the Holy Spirit, let me give it to him. They were so dependent on the Holy Spirit that when an opportunity presented itself, he couldn't help but share it. I don't have silver or gold, but what I have in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And Peter in his audacity, if you know the story of Peter, you know he's kind of a extremist. He's kind of hot or cold. He's like spiritually bipolar is what I feel like. He grabs this lame man's hand who was lame from birth. He grabs his hand and yanks him up. We have a gentleman at the Marysville campus. His name's James. I remember the first time he asked me to pray for him. He's like, I just want to walk. The first thought that came to my mind was Peter and John. And then I'm like, there's no way I'm pulling this guy out of his wheelchair. Why? Because what if he falls? Peter didn't care. Peter relied so heavily on the Holy Spirit to guide every step, to guide every word, to do everything that the church was birthed. See, 
Jesus with us creates peace around us. Where are you restless today? What, even right now, is causing you to check out a little bit because you get it, you're getting blown up. Maybe it's your phone getting blown up from different notifications. Maybe you, you rent a house or you're a landlord and there's problems. Pipes are freezing, well, not right now, but maybe they froze a few weeks ago. Maybe your, your children are not walking with the Lord as you had hoped. Maybe your marriage is struggling and you're even sitting next to your spouse right now trying to put on a good show. But inwardly, you know, I don't know if we're gonna make it. Maybe there's a relationship that you have, whether it's personal, whether it's a significant other, whether it's a close friend that all of a sudden that relationship is falling apart. As I was praying about and even discussing the, the, today's message on Thursday with Pastor Andrew and, and, and my good friend Scott over here who calls everybody pastor who's a pastor, it's just weird. Love you, bro. Just sitting there and it's like, Christmas is a tough season for some of us because we've lost loved ones. I don't want to be insensitive. Where are you restless today? Where are you so overwhelmed that you're forgetting that Christ is with you in the form of the Holy Spirit? The beauty is when Jesus said, hey, it's better for you that I go away. He was reminding you and I today that the Holy Spirit will teach and, do, and, and, and train and walk with much in the same way Jesus did with his early disciples. The Holy Spirit who's an, is not just something, but is a person that God has given us so we can walk not alone. That we're forgetting. God, you've given me your spirit. Not just as some weird like, ooh, spooky, but as a person that I get to live with and walk with. And how easy it is for me as a pastor to forget this. I, I'm supposed to live and breathe this thing right here, right? I'm supposed to know it in and out. I know a couple verses. Where are you restless today? See, some of you have come in and you have yet to make a decision to follow Jesus. You've come in because family's invited you or it's just something your family does and I'd rather do earlier than later because I know that, that later Christmas message is always about Jesus and I'm supposed to respond to him and I don't wanna do that because I've done this church thing for a while or maybe this is, you've just, maybe you were meant to go to a wrestling match. This isn't a wrestling match. Spiritually speaking, I believe it is. But maybe you've come in today and you're just like, man, I, I, I hear this idea of peace but I don't understand it. And the thing is, I've tried to figure out a way to define it for us today because I think it's easier for us to grab a hold of terms when we define them. But the only way that I can explain God's peace is just the calmness. It's just a, a, a firmness in the midst of chaos. It's this, this steadying point when all around you, it's like the eye of a hurricane. I lived in Virginia for about 10 years and I remember hurricanes. We, we never had a hurricane come through but I remember there's a tropical storm that hit the coast where I lived. And when the eye of that storm, the center that isn't, it's just calm. I believe when the world is chaotic around us that we're meant to be in the eye of that storm because Jesus is the source of the peace that we have in the midst of utter chaos. And so maybe you're here today and you would just simply say, Aaron, I've never, I've never understood this conversation of Jesus 
And I don't even know if I've done a good enough job to speak to it, but here's a verse that I really love today. And it's Revelation 3.20. It says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If someone hears me, this is my paraphrase, it will be right here. Some, if you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. This, this is a beautiful picture because there's days where I believe the Holy Spirit's knocking, waiting for someone to open the door. And I believe this goes for some of us in the room that are mature Christians. And I believe that some of us who we have not crossed that line of faith today. And I wanna give you an opportunity here in just a moment I'm not gonna make it some ooh, like super emotional moment because I believe following Jesus is the greatest decision you can ever make. It will not always be easy, but it will always be worth it. Because the plans that God has for you and for me are greater than the plans that we could come up with ourselves in our best days. Where we need very little caffeine because we're just alert and ready to go. But I simply believe this today, that this Christmas season, not only is a home that a Christmas home anticipates Christ, but we also recognize that Christ with us means peace around us. And that as we continue to lean into this series, I believe that God wants to meet you in your moments. And so I just wanna ask you today, if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus and you wanna do that today, can you just put your hand up in the air? Everyone's looking, every, hands and eyes are open. Why? Because this is the greatest decision you can ever make. I remember being really intimidated. I remember being really scared of the child. I don't wanna make it, what if someone sees me? I forgot that it's a family that we get to do this together with. So if you're here today and you've not yet received Christ and you want to, can I just ask you to raise your hand for me real quick? See your hand, thank you. Anyone else wanna join the one? It's the greatest decision you can ever make, my friend. Okay, can we do this together as a church family because I believe we are a church family? There's nothing magical about a prayer because the Bible says if you can believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. But there's something about joining together in prayer that is a unifying factor. Uh, and so I just want us to pray together. Just repeat simply after me. Say, Jesus, thank you for your love, for your sacrifice, and your peace. Fill my life with you. I love you today, and I trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we celebrate the one individual today? Thank you, my friend. The best Christmas news is when, it's the Bible says when, when one person says yes, all of heaven rejoices. So there's a party up in heaven for you today. Uh, so thank you. Uh, I'd love to be able to connect with you after service before you leave. Um, I wanna take a few moments as well, and I, I have a little bit of liberty um, for you as well. There's some of us here today, your season, is, is not an easy one. I believe this message is not just timely for us as a church family, but it's also timely for us as sons and daughters of Christ. And I don't know what that circumstance is. I've said that from the very beginning. But there's a couple of verses I wanna read. And I want us to take just a moment to let the Holy Spirit minister to our hearts. John 16, says this, these are the words of Jesus. He says, I've told you these things that in me you would have peace. You will face trials of many kinds. Love that follow-up. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. You may not know what the next step is, but I'll tell you this, the first step is surrender. The first step is pausing and inviting the Holy Spirit to meet you in your greatest need. 
In John 14, 27, this is a promise that again, Jesus makes. It says this, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither, neither let them be afraid. So what I want to do is, I, Scott and the band, they have a song they want to lead us through. It's, uh, it's, we sang it in, in a series we did about the Psalms of Ascent. But we're not going to sing the whole song. We're going to sing the first verse and we're going to sing the chorus about a dozen times probably. But in these moments, I think it's important for you and I not just to hear a message about the peace in the midst of our restlessness, but it's just as important for us to pause. I said this to the team this morning, in the Psalms there's a word called Selah. As you're reading through some of the Psalms, there's a stanza, there's a bracket of, or a paragraph of words, and there's a word off to the right, sometimes it says Selah. That word is meant to remind the reader to pause, to stop, because you and I are really great at pausing and stopping today but to pause and stop, that was sarcasm, and reflect on what you just read. And oftentimes it's a circumstance or it's a, situation, a situational thing. Other times it's a, it's, a, it's a confession or profession of how God is good and his love is great. But for you today, you know your circumstances better than I do. If you're, young, if you're a young person here today, and by young person I mean under 35, I really believe these moments are strategic for you because your greatest fear and concern is about what's next. The world we live in teaches and trains you and, and shapes you to think 10 years ahead. But God has the future figured out. Worry about this present moment because I believe Jesus wants to meet you in your greatest anxious moment. If you're my age or older, you've got some things kind of figured out in your life. Whether you have kids, there's other concerns and care and, and, and worries that we carry, whether it's with our children, whether it's with our marriages, whether it's with our businesses or our workplaces. We're not enjoying ourselves. We're struggling to find peace and purpose. And I would just simply say, I believe we need to invite the Holy Spirit over the next few moments. And here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna tell you what, what, how I want kind of you to respond. I don't want you to sing along with the song just yet, but I want you to listen to the lyrics as they sing through the first verse, listen to the lyrics, read them off the screen. Let them become a prayerful reflection and then simply say, Holy Spirit, you know. And if you know where that restless thing is, there could be multiple restless moments and restlessness pieces. How am I gonna provide Christmas for my kids? Is my marriage gonna make it past this year? Am I gonna have a job in 2020? Am I ever gonna get over this, this ailment, this, this, this broken part of my body? God knows. He's not oblivious, he's not ignorant, he's not distant. Psalm says that though I go to the highest highs or the lowest lows, you're with me. I cannot flee from your presence. And so I wanna encourage you, no matter what you're facing today, again, if you're a young person, your future, maybe it's now, maybe there's drama at school, I want you to invite the Holy Spirit, acknowledge it for, for, who, for what it is, but recognize as a God who's greater and bigger, that the peace that we're given is not circumstance-based, it's Savior-driven. And I want, you, I want to encourage you as the band sings and leads, and I'll, I'll come up and pray or kind of just let the Holy Spirit have a moment to breathe for you and I today. But I think it's important to pause, to remember that Christ showed up in the form of an unborn child and change the life of Mary and Joseph. 
but because they were obedient, there was peace. I don't see a lot of anxiousness in their story. I see a lot of obedience as God led them. And I believe today the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. And so I'm just gonna let the band lead and I'll step off for a moment uh, and then kind of direct us and lead us one more time. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Snohomish Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.